What's going on, everyone? What is cooking? This is scriptwriter Steve. You reach my podcast, Barbecue Two Movies. Today is April twenty first, twenty twenty one. That's a Wednesday, in case you forgot. And by the way, if you're wondering, it is one fifty four a.m. and I am not working late tonight, but I did finish a barbecue just a little while ago. All right, I'm gonna turn this down. How is your day going, everyone? You know, if you're wondering. If I watched the Derek Chauvin trial, not exactly, but I did hear the verdict today. And yes, he is guilty on all three counts, but I want to share my two cents on it. Now, what is my opinion? Well, you have to wait until after the break. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry about that. I have to find a way to make you guys stick around until after the break here. But before I get into that, I have something that's more on my mind right now, which is barbecue. You know, my podcast is called Barbecue to Movies, right? So I have to talk about barbecue sometimes. And I love barbecue. Who doesn't love barbecue unless you are a crazy vegan? If you're a crazy vegan, by the way, and you're listening to my uh, uh, my podcast here, I'm sorry if I just called you crazy, but that's my opinion. I don't know how you can go through life without meat. And if you've ever tasted smoked brisket or smoked anything or just barbecued anything Oh, I don't know how I can live my life without it. I'm not sure you know, how, how even people who are religious and live their life without bacon. I just, you know, can you imagine not going through life without bacon or a hot dog or, or pork ribs? Oh my God, like baby back ribs. I mean, that's why I can't be Jewish or Muslim. My diet is just, I, I just can't be restricted. Anyway, I just finished my, um, I just, I just finished, uh, tenderizing my brisket. And when I say tenderizing, that means I wrapped it and I cooked it to 203 and I put it out of the oven. Yes, I do finish my brisket in the oven because, uh, you can. Now, you can finish it in your, um, in your smoker. But again, why do that? Why waste wood, right? You know, now there are times when you want to finish your briskets in the smoker and that's when you're cooking 10 to 20 briskets and you really have no choice. But at that point, you know what? When you're doing it at that point, you know, it just doesn't really matter, you know, when you finish it because you're going to have people paying for your brisket, right? But when you when you do it on your own backyard smoker, you really want to hold on to all those pieces of wood that took forever to season correctly. And when I say season, we're talking about you chop the wood, you cut it, and you set it on the side, um, and you let it age like a fine wine. And you just want, you know, just the right amount of moisture out of the, out of the, those, those logs. You don't want it too dry because if it's too dry, you have no smoke. And if you have no smoke, you have no flavor. So that's why kiln-dried wood, the one you buy in the store, which is, again, they always brag that it's kiln-dried, it burns really well, but it burns a little too clean. And that's why you don't get a lot of the character of the wood when you actually smoke. That's one of the, what I think, I think that's one of the greatest um, secrets out there when it comes to barbecuing is to actually not use kiln-dried wood, by the way. So uh, that's, what I, that's my opinion, because once I started using regular wood, Regular wood that I cut and chopped, you know, with an axe, and uh, and uh, you know that was seasoned correctly. And when I when I say seasoned again, it's not putting salt or pepper on it. I'm saying, you know, I kind of timed it, kind of like you know, did some trial runs with other barbecues, saying, okay, that one had a little too smoke. That's a little too early to use, uh, but kind of kind of gauged wet, you know, how much water I wanted out of my logs. And again, you don't want too much water. 
So what was different about this cook than all the other cooks? Uh, well, number one is that I did a dry brine on it. So what is a dry brine? Dry brine is when you put your salt or your seasonings on top of there and you just let it set. Now, dry brine, you can dry. I actually recommend dry brining any type of, any type of meat you actually cook. So if you're going to cook a steak, dry brine it. You know, put, put your, um, put your uh, salt on top of there and then let it set for a couple of hours before you actually cook that steak, before you actually grill that steak. You know, do it to salmon before you smoke a salmon. You don't really have to do a wet brine, which is soaking it. You just have to put some, put, um, some salt on top of there and just let it set for about three to four hours. And then that salt, it goes from the, the surface of the, of the meat and it just sinks in, into the middle. Now, how far does it sink? Well, usually it'll sink maybe one inch or so, one and a half inches. And that is good enough. That is good enough for me. So even if you have a thick brisket, um, if you have a thick brisket, if, if your salt goes in about an inch or so, that's really good. All right. So anyway, sorry, burping here a little. <laughs> you know, it's a lie. It's kind of like tape live. I'm not going to go back and fix that or record that. So you, you guys get to hear that if it did go through the recording. But anyway, with that being said, um, I dry brined this brisket and when I smoked it, there was a little, I'm not sure if this is, um, I guess, uh, unique to a dry brine brisket or this is unique to the, to this brisket that I bought, but this brisket glistened when I, when I pop, when I opened the, the, um, the lid of my smoker to spray it down with, uh, apple cider vinegar. And this is, this is something you should do if you don't already do, um, you know, spraying it every 30 minutes with apple cider vinegar. And there's a couple of reasons why you do this. Number one is to make sure your meat doesn't dry out because it does dry out in the smoker. Right. And, and, uh, number two is to, um, the apple cider helps you, helps the, the um, fat break down with the heat. And on top of that, the apple cider, um, also it does combat some dirty smoke. And on top of that, it does help the smoke bind to the surface of the, of the meat. So that's the reason why you spray it every 30 minutes, right? But number one, number one, the reason why you spray it is to keep it moist, to keep it, you know, from drying out. And I tell you what, this brisket, it glistened. It glistened like my, face my my acne face back in like high school you know it was that oily you know so so that's how much oil it was in there and uh and, and I said wow this is really really great now now um uh, I have yet to eat it so I have no idea if this is actually um uh, I guess be, you know if it's actually going to be moist it sure does look moist though and this is a very good sign i mean i've been smoking for a long time and usually when you have a good piece of meat and it's glistening you know for a fact it's going to be very very juicy so on top of that um i also did smoke with a water pan and i and i usually smoke with a water pan from the very very beginning uh some some people don't like these water pans uh i say Always use a water pan because it just makes your meat really, really moist. On top of that, I do wrap with foil uh, rather than butcher paper because, again, it just makes the meat really, really moist. And I do have my own technique to make sure I preserve that nice, crisp bark that forms on, on top of the, uh, I guess, the, 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 um, the brisket. Um, and I do pres preserve it and get it moist. I'm not going to tell you the secret on top of here. Maybe on one of the, my other other shows, uh, but that is something I'm going to take to the bank with me when I open up my restaurant. So I'm sorry if I can't disclose that right now. 
But anyway, uh, what's also interesting about this cook was that um, it stalled at 155 and 165. So this is really interesting. Usually when you cook a brisket, it'll cook all the way through to one around 160 or 165 and the temperature will stop going up. And it'll take maybe about an hour or two or, or you know, three hours to push through that stall. Um, but this is, you know, for the, for this brisket, it stalled at 155 and then it again stalled at 165. Is it because I salt brined it? You know, I, I wet, I dry brined it. I don't know. I think it could be because again, what happens when you um, salt brine or actually when you dry brine or wet brine anything, it does make the meat a lot more moist. Now, why does it do that? Because salt water tends to actually, uh, I guess it, it's attracted to salt. So salt actually will, actually will pull um, water towards it. So when you first put salt on top of your steak, what's going to initially happen is that water from the brisket or any type of steak or any type of meat is going to be drawn to the salt. So be drawn to the surface. Now, if you actually fry your steak when you when you first put your salt on top of there, well, it, it may have a hard time, you may have a hard time browning it at this point, right? So what you want to do is you want to wait a little while so your salt crystals dissolve and they and they kind of sink into the meat. And then all of that, that moisture that was on top of the surface of the meat, it actually goes toward the center. And what happens is that now the moisture is no longer on the surface. It's on, it's basically in the middle. And now you can actually have a nice brown. You can brown your steak very, very easily when you grill it. And, uh, and yet when you cut into it, it's a lot more moist. So that is the, the effect that dry, dry brining has on a regular steak. Now, what is the effect of dry brining on, um, on a brisket, I really don't know. But the same effect happens on pork ribs or spare ribs and pork spare ribs. Um, I have yet to dry brine, um, uh, I guess, beef short ribs, but I think the effect would be the same thing. So that's what I plan to do. In fact, when I, when I have, when I'm, I think my next thing I'm gonna, gonna cook is gonna be beef ribs, I'm just gonna season that overnight and then I'm gonna, you know, put it on top of the bar, on top of the, on top of the smoker. So we'll see how well that comes out. But as far as this came out, I think because there was so much, the salt had penetrated so far deep into the brisket, um, it did have a longer stall than usual, or had two stalls, one at one at 155 and the other at 165. So that's something new, right? And uh, I'll let you know how this barbecue turns out. Again, I'm going to let it rest. Now, if you don't let your barbecue, if you don't let your brisket rest for a while, or any of your barbecues rest for a while, you're in a, you're in a big load of trouble. Make sure you don't cut into your brisket uh, right after you right after it reaches 203. All right. I know some of us will be hungry, but trust me, don't do it. Don't do it. The the if you just if you exercise some form of patience, right, the quality of your brisket will go up, you know, two or 300, or 300%. It, it, it is that big of a difference, right? So rest your, rest your brisket. I'm going to rest mine for about, I think about, I think it'll be about close to 15 hours, I think, um, before I cut it open. And uh, I just want 
all of those juices to be sucked back into the meat. And uh, I want it to get a really, really tender. Now, again, we're not doing competition, so I don't care if it's really, really tender. Now, I don't want it to be like, you know, pot roast where it just breaks apart, but I want it to be pretty tender. I want it to be, you know, melt in your mouth tender. And people will just say, hmm, and it, you know, it'll, be just, it'll, be, it'll just be great, like a ball of flavor, like a, a flavor bomb inside their mouth. So we'll see if we got that done. I'll let you know. I'll let you know what everyone thinks about it. And I'm having my barbecue party uh, later, on, later on today at around 7 p.m. So with that, also with that being said, um, you know, it's also, you know, before when I first started barbecuing or smoking, I would actually barbecue on the day of. So say, for example, if my, my barbecue was at 7 p.m. Uh, today, I would be barbecuing at around maybe, you know, 8 a.m. today. It's a lot better to barbecue the day before and just allow your barbecue to rest. Um, not only does it make it a lot easier to cater or, or to like um, time, uh, it, it just, you know, it, there, there's so much, your, your barbecue just tastes, tastes a lot better. Because what happens if you, if you just time it just right, well, your brisket doesn't have enough time to rest. You know, so I think if you're going to have a barbecue, cook all your stuff the day before. And that way, you won't have to worry about making it in time, because you know when you're when you're burning wood, you know bad things happen. You know sometimes you said, "Hey, this this uh, wood, you know it's not clean enough, so I have to raise raise the raise the temperature a little more, or something like that." Or sometimes you accidentally fall asleep, and then you then you basically have to start all over again. <laughs> you know some things you know things happen when you're burning wood, and you know, rarely do you ever have the perfect burn all the way through. Luckily, this time I had the perfect burn. Um, but you just want to be, you know, you, you just want to exercise some type of carefulness. And trust me, there's always one one crazy thing or another that happens when you go barbecuing. Sometimes you may even have an oil fire or something like that. You know, you know. So a lot of things crazy, a lot of crazy things happen. So anyway, I'm gonna cut the commercial. And when I get back, we'll get into this whole Derek Chauvin case, and uh, I'll explain to you exactly my opinion, all right? And again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'll give you my opinion on what's happening, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. All right, so I'm going to cut the commercial now. Hopefully you join me right after this. What is going on, everyone? This is your favorite complainer-in-chief, scriptwriter Steve, with a shameless plug for Dream Weddings Hawaii, a company that I just happen to own. Now, we specialize in romantic, intimate beach weddings, but plan weddings of all sizes and shapes. Gala weddings, eloping, surprise vow renewal, no problemo. So, if you are looking to tie the knot here in Hawaii, you better get in touch with me. Now, Dream Weddings Hawaii delivers quality that is extremely affordable, but don't just take my word for it. Visit our website at dreamweddingshawaii.com and find out for yourself. That's dreamweddings with an S. That's weddings with an S, hawaii.com. So look at our awesome photos, check out our awesome, beautiful, touching ceremony videos, then take a look at our cheap prices, which I promise you won't faint at. Now, don't forget to read our five-star reviews. Now, by the way, we also take professional family photos. So visit our site at dreamweddingshawaii.com or just buzz me at 808-479-0685. That's 808-479-0685. 
Cave. I am back from that commercial break. I hope you are too. Oh, my brain is hurting right now. Okay. Yeah, let's get into this Derek Chauvin case here. I'm going to turn this music down and uh, get a little serious here. I know we've got the barbecue talk out of the way, so now we're going to go talk about a murder case, right? And um, now, first of all, my opinion, uh, I think, you know, just from the look of it, Derek Chauvin and those police officers, uh, I am 100% completely pro-cop. Um, at the same time, when I view their entire video, I guess body cam footage, uh, police cam footage that the body cams are, right, in full context, I can see that there was no hint of racism at all. Uh, George Floyd was not targeted because he was black. Uh, it didn't look as though any of the police officers were white supremacists. Um, in fact, I think Derek Chauvin may have been one of the two that may have been white. So... This whole narrative uh, that Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, and Black Lives Matter that are and they're pushing it and they're they're using Derek Chauvin as an example of white supremacy in this country, well, that's one million percent false. Um, <laughs> Derek Chauvin is not a white supremacist, and uh, what happened to George Floyd uh, is unique to his situation, and it does not represent how cops treat all blacks. Um, if you believe that, I'm sorry, that is 100% fiction, all right? Now, unfortunately, the ma- I think the majority of the liberals out there don't, I guess, agree with me. And uh, that's unfortunate. I can't convince... I can't convince them otherwise. So if you if you believe that Derek Chauvin represents the worst in humanity and he represents basically, uh, I guess, America as a nation... You have got a problem. Now, after this, after this, uh, um, uh, I guess verdict was rendered. Uh, Black Lives Matter and even Joe Biden, including uh, George Floyd's uh, own relatives, right, his, uh, who profited greatly off of his death, said that they're not going to end here. Uh, white supremacy has to come to an end. And of course, I agree if it exists, if it exists on this existential level, but it's not. White supremacy is not an existential threat in America. And this is what I'm also hating, too, is that, again, George Floyd gave birth to this fake narrative, and then it also gave birth to this other victimhood narrative that Asians are also victims of white supremacy. And by the way, when they say white supremacy, they just don't mean any type of white person. They specifically mean white conservative Trump supporters. Those people are the domestic terrorists. Those people who stormed the Capitol, who waved those Trump flags in there, that's who they're talking about. And, and on top of that, because most cops were Trump supporters, that's why they believe that most cops are white supremacists. This is in the mind of many people who actually cheered the conviction of Derek Chauvin. So do, now, do I believe he, I guess he got justice, you know, served, I actually don't. I do believe that, you know, Chauvin should have been let go. I think he should have been um, not convicted of any three counts, all right? Now, why do I believe that? Well, number one, uh, George Floyd had three times the legal limit of fentanyl in his body. That's very, very dangerous. He was saying, I can't breathe, 
you know, before he went to the ground, all right? And on top of that, it looked as though from the police body cam footage that there was no knee to the back of George Floyd's neck, but there was actually a, a knee to the back of his shoulder. So that means he wasn't getting choked out there. Now, did it contribute to his death? It may have. Did Derek Chauvin go out there, wake up that morning and say, I'm going to go kill a black guy? Absolutely not. Did he intend to kill George Floyd that day? I don't think he did. Absolutely not. Why would he do that? I don't understand that. Now, do I think Derek Chauvin is a good cop? Uh, I don't think so. Because, I, you know, he could have done things differently. George Floyd was not a threat. You know, he was really not a threat. That type of, I think that level of, of um, control, uh, it, I don't think it was warranted. Again, I'm not a cop. I've heard cops, but I have heard cops on both sides of the aisle um, actually argue for restraint that was used on, on, um, on George Floyd and those who have argued against it, right? Now, myself, the way I look at it from my own screenwriter's point of view is I think he went a little overboard, you know, in, but again, you know, Derek Chauvin showed up on the showed up on the scene, and what happened was that George Floyd was being very difficult. He was, you know, squirming about. He was not obeying orders. You know, he you know, they tried to put him in the back of the SUV, and he squirmed out, and then he laid himself on the floor. And I think at that point, I'm just you know kind of projecting here that Derek Chauvin says, "Well, we got to get this under control," and he thought you know using a little force would do it, and unfortunately, it was a wrong decision. And he held his knee a little too long there. He wanted to, I think he wanted to hold him until he kind of settled down. But at that point, when he, when they put George Floyd on his side, well, George Floyd was already settling down. Now, it's really unfortunate though that Derek Chauvin may actually go to prison for this. I don't think he got a fair shake. Now, why don't I think that? Let's take a look at the jury. When you have, you know, uh, a sitting politician, Right, who actually threatens, threatens to, to, to burn down the city of Minnesota or, or tells people if they don't get the right verdict, well, the city of Minnesota will burn. Now, I'm not going to say her name, but we all know who it is, right? She's a sitting politician, and she actually said that. Now, that's polluting the jury pool, it, and it, it actually influenced the jury pool. On top of that, Joe Biden came out there and said that. He's praying and hoping for the right verdict. That's also influencing the jury pool. And you know, even Donald Trump, as abrasive as he ever was, he never, he never chimed in on, on an ongoing case and to affect the jury pool. He never actually did that. Joe Biden did. And I think he knows a lot better. I'm not sure why he did that. Now, I think the, the judge apparently said that... Th- um, I guess this politician's actions were so outrageous that this case could actually be won on appeal. Now, will Derek Chauvin appeal this? Of course he will. And I think he would have a case to actually appeal this. Because there is no doubt that the, that the men and women inside this jury pool were affected by that. No, no doubt about it. Now, why do, I, why do I also believe that Derek Chauvin got an unfair shake? Well, it's because... <laughs> You know, this trial was held in Minnesota. You know, the jury lives in Minnesota. And when you have Black Lives Matter out there 
showing up to people's houses, showing up to witness houses, and intimidating them. You know, you know, cutting off a pig's head and, and, and putting it on top of their, uh, I guess, their their front lawn or porch and all that. Um, that's scary stuff. That's intimidation of, of witnesses. That's intimidation of the jury pool. Imagine if they had voted to to actually, uh, you know, voted to to not convict uh, George Floyd. And we all know. I mean, if I if I sat on, uh, if, if I sat on the jury pool, that would be in the back of my head. If I if I actually believe he is innocent on all charges, wow, my entire life, my entire family, they're all gone. Like they're gonna come to my house, find out who I am. They're gonna burn down my house. I'm gonna get fired from my from my job. I'll never be able to get employed again. That would actually go through my head. That's why I'm saying that you know you really can't have a fair trial for Derek Chauvin. The entire media basically ruined his entire life by not releasing the full body cam. Now, if they would have released a full body cam of George Floyd, then maybe uh, when I say the full body cam, the, not just the nine minutes that we saw him die, but the full body cam footage from the from the police vest, right? All three angles, play it at, right, play it at the, the real time, and we get to see, well, what, what were the circumstances that led up to to um, the knee going on the back of the shoulder and and uh, go from there, right? And we could actually see that George Floyd said, I can't breathe before he went to the ground. Now, again, all of this could have been avoided on both sides if Derek Chauvin would have practiced a lot more humanity. Okay, that's number one. And also if George Floyd would have lived a good life, right? Lived a good life and made the right decisions. Now, Here's my take from it. George Floyd, for black people who say George Floyd represents all black people, no, he doesn't. George Floyd was a porn star. All black people are not porn stars. George Floyd dealt with drugs and he was in prison. He actually beat women. He actually robbed women. That's why he was in jail. That's why he was in prison. Black people don't do that. Again, George Floyd doesn't represent black people like that. Okay? George Floyd was high on fentanyl. You know, black people are not high on fentanyl. George Floyd used uh, fake money to try to buy stuff. Black people don't do that, okay? So now, only criminals do that. So George Floyd, as a criminal, made the wrong decisions. So again, don't think, if you're a black person, and say, oh, wow, you know, George Floyd represents all of us. No, he doesn't. He doesn't speak for black people, so don't martyr him. He's not, he's not an ideal role model for black people, all right? Now, Derek Chauvin, okay, you know, more than likely, I think he's an asshole cop, but he is, Derek Chauvin is Derek Chauvin. He doesn't represent all cops. And number two, he's not a white supremacist. This whole narrative that this was, uh, this was, um, I, I think, uh, I guess a step in the right direction against white supremacy is 1 million percent false. All right? Derek Chauvin is not a white supremacist. This crime was not a hate crime. All right? This was just an exercise of a bad decision by Derek Chauvin. That's it. That's it. And unfortunately, <laughs> he's, been, he's become the pinata of the left. So they're going to beat that stick on Derek Chauvin as much as they can because what do the Democrats see? They, wait, they see a way to unite 
the black vote against conservatives. Because if they can say, you know, they helped, con- you know, they helped this battle of white supremacy, and if you vote Republican, who are by far majority white supremacists, which is false, but they'll say that, then if you don't do that, we're, we're just going to go back to the norm. And their norm is a country with white supremacy, again, which is all false. So that's where I stand on this entire thing. Derek Chauvin didn't get a fair trial. I think he'll win on appeal. And the Democrats are using this to forward, I guess, more victim mentality crimes, more black crimes. And again, do they, do, does, does the Democrat Party really care about black lives? Does Black Lives Matter care about black lives? Absolutely not. What programs are the Democrats instilling to make sure that no one else grows up like George Floyd, right? In a life of crime, you know, using drugs, using fake money, becoming a male porn star. You know, again, what are they doing to say, hey, don't, bec- don't become like George Floyd? Now, Nancy Pelosi is out there praising and, and thanking George Floyd for his sacrifice today. That is crazy. This is a man who should not be idolized. If, if the black community wants to idolize anyone, why not you know, idolize, or not even idolize, why don't they put on a pedestal someone like Ben Carson, a neurosurgeon, a neurosurgeon who, who saved so many lives, you know, saves with brain surgery. He actually uh, did the first, he separated uh, conjoined twins who are connected at the head. You know, that's a black man doing that, right? That Ben Carson should actually be put on this pedestal and black, young black kids should say, wow, I want to be like Ben Carson, right? But no, they're saying be like George Floyd. No, you should not. Absolutely, absolutely not be like George Floyd. And this is my whole problem when it comes to this Black Lives Matter narrative. Who are they martyring? Not good people. You take a look at every single person right now, even okay, Dante, Dante, Dante Wright, no, Duante Wright, that's his name. Duante Wright. Thug, right? Gangbanger. That young 13-year-old who was shot by police again, but he was out at 2.30 a.m. in the morning with a gun, shooting his gun off in the air. Gangbanger. Right? Um, who was that other guy who got shot in the back in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin? This guy had, he was wanted for rape. And then he was about to steal and kidnap his own children when the cops showed up. So he was in the process of stealing his children when the cops showed up. Those are the people you actually want to admire? You know, say, we should be more like them. They represent us, our type? No, they don't. I honestly don't think so. You know, I hold, when I think of black people, Number one, I stereotype things, right? Number one, what do I think of black people, right? Number one, that they're number one, they're really great athletes and really, really strong. That's number one. What do you think? They naturally have more muscle than everyone else, and they can run fast, they can jump higher, and uh, you know they're just tremendous athletes. Now, why do I think that? Because I see them playing on basketball and NFL, and I I don't see them doing a lot of cycling, by the way, and um, so maybe they, they don't like to bicycle, and not really hockey, right? But you know, I watch the NFL, and most of the most of the NFL teams are all black, but seventy percent of them are right. So that's why I think, okay, yeah, that's what I think when I see black people. Right? He must be able to jump high. He must be able to run fast. He must be able to bench a lot. 
you know, he's, he's just a, you know, specimen, right? What I think when I see, you know, you know Asian people, well, it must be really smart, really good in school, really, I mean, you, you can go to go this all, you know, all day long. It's, it's not a racist thing to do, by the way. So anyway, why, why would you want to say, well, you know, I would want my kid to be more like George Floyd, you know, be a martyr? No, absolutely not. But I've heard black parents tell their kids that. I overheard that one time. I don't understand that. No, he's not a good guy. Anyway, where do we go now from this? Unfortunately, it's not going to stop. The left, Black Lives Matter, um, this just gives them, I think this just opens up Pandora's box. Uh, I have a feeling a lot of cops are going to stop being being cops. I don't think a lot of people want to become cops uh, because justice is not on their side. Now, again, even though I think you know Derek Chauvin, uh, you know, could have done better, I don't. I don't think what he did was murder. All right, I really don't think what he did was murder. Um, it, you know, I don't think it was intentional. Now, I think they did, they did the second-degree murder thing where they said it's not intentional. I think second-degree murder over there in Minnesota looks more like manslaughter. But, um, you know, it just, I really think, you know, I, I really think they, they, they put on trial here an icon. Well, when I say an icon, I mean George Floyd. They, they turned George Floyd into an icon. And um, they turn him into almost like the next Jesus Christ. And that's what happened. And um, they wanted justice in any type of form. And this is their form of justice, which is retributive justice. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think, I think Derek Chauvin, his life is also going to be taken away from him uh, because I don't think he deserves this at all. I don't. I really, really don't. Again, I don't think he's a good guy though. Now, let me let me make this clear. I don't think he's a good guy, and I think maybe manslaughter, you know, just a one manslaughter um, charge would actually be good. So I think he. Uh, let's see here. Hold on. Yeah. Let's see. Hold on. I'm gonna. He is. Yeah. So wait. Hold on. I'm trying to read here. It is. Yeah. So he he was um, convicted of charged with second degree manslaughter. So he was he was charged with second degree murder and third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. I think personally he would be at the at the most guilty of sec- second degree manslaughter because it was completely an accident. You know, it was stupidity on his part. That's it. If I were to if I were to convict him of, any, of anything, but even then when I read when I read um I guess the definition of secondary manslaughter uh, in the Minnesota statutes, even then, I have reasonable doubt, you know, I guess with convicting him of second-degree manslaughter. So if I sat on the jury pool, I would say, huh, I really don't think so. I have reasonable doubt. Again, that's all you need, by the way, is reasonable doubt, all right? Derek Chauvin starts off to be 100% innocent until proven guilty, and now it is the, the prosecution's job to prove his guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. I had reasonable doubt. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure you did too when the defense argued their point of view. I have reasonable doubt to say that I think drugs killed this guy and not the knee on the neck. I think the knee on the neck could have contributed to, to, contributed to it. I think George Floyd's actions contributed to it, right? But again, you know, <laughs> you know, I have reasonable doubt. Anyway, people, that is it for my podcast for today. I hope you enjoyed it. You know, uh, I'm not sure, again, where you are on this, I guess, the spectrum of, you know, Derek Chauvin getting, I guess, getting convicted. But again, if you encounter friends who disagree with you, just don't argue. Just accept them for what they, for what they believe. Just let them go. And trust me, you're not going to let, you're not going to move the needle on them by trying to, you know, argue with them. Uh, I guess try to try try to change their opinion. Uh, just let it go. Just let it go. And if they try to change your opinion, just you know, just tell them, hey, you know what? I believe what I believe. You believe what you believe. And <laughs> let's just be friends. <laughs> that, that's the advice I can give you. All right, people, I am out of here. I am gonna go to bed because I've been barbecuing all day. Take it easy. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Hey, I hope you like my podcast. If you do, don't forget you can subscribe to me on any of the podcast platforms out there. Just look for Barbecue 2 Movies.